In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Brothers and sisters, very often in the Gospel of John, St. John, the Apostle, the writer of, the, uh, of this Gospel, he uses words that have a double meaning. In the Greek original, many of the words that John uses has a double meaning. So for example, in this Gospel reading, kind of towards the end, Jesus says something a little bit mysterious to Nicodemus. He says, the wind blows where it wills, and you hear the sound of it, you don't know from where it comes or where it goes. The wind, that's how it's translated in English, sometimes they'll translate it spirit, because in the Greek, the word for wind and spirit is exactly the same word, the word pneuma in Greek. It's actually the same in uh, Old Aramaic. Ruha in Old Aramaic, we know it as spirit now in Chaldean, but back then it was the same word for the wind and for the spirit. So it is with Greek. In this gospel reading in particular, there's a confusion between uh, in, in what and how Nicodemus receives one of the things that Jesus says because of the double meaning. Nicodemus kind of becomes at nighttime flattering Jesus because he's a member of the Sanhedrin of the Jewish rulership. And he doesn't want to go to Jesus in public where everybody could see because this would be kind of a betrayal. So he's being a little bit duplicitous here, a little bit two-faced. He goes to Jesus at night and starts to flatter him. And he says, oh, we know that you're a teacher come from God. No one can do the things that you do unless God is with him. Jesus doesn't really have it though. Jesus just cuts to the chase immediately. He's not flattered by what Nicodemus says. He's not impressed by what Nicodemus says. He's not looking for the praise of men. Jesus cuts right to it and he says, unless one is born anew, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And implicitly telling Nicodemus, you're not there yet. You're not really born anew yet. You come flattering me and you come saying all these nice things to me, but you're not really born anew yet. You're not ready yet for the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus totally misunderstands him, validating everything that Jesus just said. Nicodemus says, how can a man be born again? How can he be born from his mother's womb a second time? Totally misunderstanding what Jesus says because of this reason. To be born anew, the word anew in Greek has that double meaning. It can be, it can be seen as being born a second time, you know, kind of going through the process of conception and being formed in the womb and then being born a second time, like the first time. But it can also be, mean to be born from above, to be born from heaven, to be born from God. Both of these can be translated. In the English, they translated anew, which is a nice compromise. Side note, you know, there are many non-Catholic Christians, they say that they are born-again Christians. Uh, Jesus doesn't say born again. Only Nicodemus says born again. And that's in his uh, misinterpretation of what Jesus is saying. To be born again is not what Jesus meant. To be born anew, to be born from heaven, to be born from above, from the Spirit of God, this is what Jesus meant. So what does it mean then to be born anew and if this is especially going to be a requirement for entering the kingdom of heaven? As Jesus says. Well, Jesus goes on and he says, if, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. He cannot see the kingdom of God. So this is an obvious reference to baptism. 
being born of water and the Spirit, this is what happens in baptism. What happens in baptism is that we receive the Spirit of Christ and it becomes our own Spirit. It comes to dwell within us. And that's what Jesus kind of means later on when he says the wind or the Spirit moves where it will. You don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So now we have these three terms. To be born anew means to be baptized, which means to receive the Spirit of Christ within our own spirit, to, that the Spirit of God dwells within our own spirit. What does this have to do with entering the kingdom of God? So then what is the kingdom of God? It's a little bit hard to understand. Today, we generally think that the kingdom of God is just something above us, something that we wait for when we die. We will go to the kingdom of God. And so many Christians in today's world will kind of just think of this life as, well, this is just a life of suffering, this is just a life of, of uh, pain, and this is just a life that I just have to put up with it and just say my prayers, and then when I die, then I'll go to the kingdom of God if I'm faithful. But that's not really the case, because the kingdom of God is not something that merely exists outside of us. It's not something that merely exists in another time. This is clarified by Jesus in other Gospels, but in particular one of them in the Gospel of Luke, when they start wondering how Jesus is exercising these demons, Jesus says, if it is by the finger of God that I exercise demons, then the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. If it is by the finger of God that I exercise demons, then the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So by the finger of Christ, by the finger of God, Jesus' power, wherever, wherever Jesus exercises his power, there is the kingdom of God. Wherever God rules over something, that's where the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is the rulership of God, God's rule over something. To enter the kingdom of God, then, we have to receive the Spirit of God. Because wherever we have the Spirit of God, there God is our Lord. There God rules over us. Not like a, a distant master, but as a father. There, wherever the Spirit of God is, there is the house of God. So this is what happens in baptism, right? In baptism, the way St. Paul describes baptism is that we go from our old life to a new life. We go from uh, living in the life of Adam as we are born and biologically, we go from being in the life of Adam to then being reborn, born anew in the life of Jesus Christ. We go down into the baptismal waters and there we die with Christ and then we come up out of the baptismal waters being raised with Christ in Jesus' resurrection to a new life. This is how we are born anew, through baptism. But what does our baptismal, what are, what are our baptismal promises? What does the sacraments of baptism do for us? What does it change us into? If we're born anew by the Spirit and by water in baptism, what does it mean to be born anew? What does that look like concretely? Well, again, to quote St. Paul, St. Paul describes baptism as a putting on of Christ. We are taking on to ourselves the very person of Christ. What does it mean that we are baptized? It means that through the journey of faith in this life, we are slowly in this process of becoming Jesus Christ himself. This is why St. Paul says that we are living in Christ. 
that we are living in Christ, we are becoming like Him. And that His members, those that are baptized into His body, become members of His body. They are extensions of Him. So that Jesus and His faithful, you and I, His disciples, Jesus and His disciples are one body together. This is the teaching of the mystical body of Christ. Jesus is not separated from you and I. He so much unites Himself to us that He identifies us with Himself. When we are baptized, when we receive the Spirit of Christ, we become one with Him. But that's also a process through the journey of faith. You and I, day after day, must conform ourselves to the life of Christ and then we'll become just like Him, so much united to Him that Him and us will be indistinguishable from one another. Again, what does this look like concretely? Ultimately, it must be that we conform ourselves to Jesus on the cross. Concretely, it must be a great act of love. Because Jesus on the cross is obedient to God unto death for the sake of the salvation of humanity. And St. Paul, again, says that while we were his enemies, Jesus died for us. While we were his enemies, he was crucified on our behalf. While we were his enemies, he suffered and died for us. That is ultimately what it means to be born anew. That we give up our lives, we empty ourselves of our, of our own personal desires so that we can be obedient to God and suffer for the sake of those that are around us, but not just those that are around us. While we were his enemies, Jesus suffered and died for us. The ultimate conforming of our life to Christ, the ultimate expression of living anew, the ultimate expression of our baptismal vows is dying for those that irritate us, dying for our enemies. So, how is it that you and I are going to become truly Christians, true, truly Catholic? It's when we are able to step over ourselves, empty ourselves of our anger, of our bad feelings, empty ourselves of our own desires, and give up of, of ourselves for those that have wronged us. This is what Jesus says. Think about the person that irritates you the most. Take a second and think about somebody that really irritates you, somebody that really gets on your nerves, gets under your skin, somebody that you just get so bothered by when you're around them that it unnerves you. All the ladies are thinking about their husband? Okay. <laughs> kidding. kidding. Okay. That is the person that we are called to be crucified for. That is the person that we are called to suffer for. The person that we want to crucify is the person that we are called to be crucified on behalf of. Because that's what Jesus did for us. That's the way, that's the ultimate expression of the love of God as he showed it to us on the cross. That is the way we conform ourselves to the life of Christ. That is the way we live from heaven because now we are living from God's perspective. Now we are loving everybody the way God loves everybody, including our enemies. Now, the Spirit of God which moves to reconcile us with one another and to reconcile God with us, now that Spirit is truly become our Spirit and we are living that out concretely when we are able to put up, not just put up, but love those that irritate us, love those that are our enemies, love those that wrong us. Brothers and sisters, this is the true calling of what it means to be a Christian. Nothing less than that.
And if we have accepted it in baptism, we accept it every single day when we make the sign of the cross, when we tell God that we love him, when we ask Jesus to give us the grace to make us like himself, we are renewing our baptismal vows day after day by continuing to identify ourselves as Christian. So long as we're doing that, that is the goal. That is what we have to conform ourselves to. Amen.